Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hungry dogs run fast. It's a, it's truly a Philly thing here. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shield Kapadia here, joined by Ben Solak and ace producer Cliff Augustine. The Eagles prevail 34 31. Action packed, entertaining overtime win over the Commanders. They improved to 4 0, one of only two undefeated teams in the NFL. But Benny Souls, as uh, uh, listener Simon sent me this tweet. From Drew, who I don't know if Drew listens or doesn't listen, but Drew says Eagles are four zero, and everyone is disgusted. Perfection. I think Absolutely. that's about right. Eagles are <laughs> hey, what, what? What could there possibly be to complain about with this four zero team? Uh, yeah, this is the Eagles are winning games, which is objectively good. You get in the playoffs because you win games, not because of how you win them. With that said, I would like for things to be different than they are. In terms of that, in regards to how the team is playing, I would like it to be different. And that's how I feel. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's probably how a lot of people feel. Uh, so let's start with the big picture stuff. Then I want to get there with some good like game strategic type stuff um, yeah. in this matchup. I thought then we'll do a little offense, do a little defense as we normally do. Big picture. Uh, they won again. They're 4-0. Early part of the season for me was supposed to be about stacking these wins and staying healthy. That was like, all right, how are they going to get back? No one gets back to the Super Bowl. Well, if you're the one seed, it's a lot easier to get back. Right now, Eagles and 49ers, only undefeated teams in the NFC. We know the schedule gets harder later in the season. And so if you can have these sort of, uh, this was not a perfect game, but still come out with a win, that is a very good thing. So uh, that that's definitely part of it for me in terms of big picture thoughts. And then obviously, having said that, some serious concerns. They're not really playing complete games. You know, the first two weeks of the season, we come on here, we're talking about, man, the passing game looks uh, doesn't look like it's in rhythm. What's going on? What isn't working that was working last year? Here in week four, the defense got lit up. I mean, there's no other way to say it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. They give up 364 yards and 26 first downs to a Washington Commanders team uh, quarterbacked by Sam Howell. And not only that, I mean, Two of those drives were huge drives. In the fourth quarter, you give up one that I think ties the game, and then 143 left. Sam Howell and the commanders have to go 64 yards on you 
to tie the game and potentially go, go for two. They don't go for two, uh, and they end up doing it. So um, I had been on the corner of, hey, the stats in the film are telling me a different story with this Eagles defense. That's how I felt after three games of the season. Uh, I feel like that's probably going to be different when I look at the film uh, from this game because the defense in real time, you were just like, man, they they are getting uh, lit up by this Washington offense. What, what do you have for your big picture thoughts before we delve into some of the specifics here? Yeah, I think uh, my biggest picture thought for this game is is uh, I think more about Hertz and about how he's playing on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense is is a, is a very strong one B. Um, I think this was like I was very apprehensive about the Bucks game. I didn't think they were going to be able to control that game. I, I thought the Bucks were going to cover, and the Eagles win. They, they they handled business defensively, and then you go to this Commanders game and you go, all right, well, like they should be able to take advantage of this Eagles defense same way I thought the Bucks would, but. I guess like the Eagles are holding it down. Like maybe, maybe they'll be all right. And then this kind of, all right, this is what we more so expected when the injury started to accrue here. Uh, when the, the, the back seven got shuffled around, uh, they knew, they knew where Josh Joe was and they were throwing it at him all day. Uh, they knew where Terrell, Terrell Edmonds was and they took advantage of him for the entirety of the day. Uh, and Howell was getting rid of the ball quickly and it's neutralizing the pass rush. This was just such a familiar game for anybody who's watched a lot of Eagles football over, not even over the course of the last couple of years, but the last five, six years like this, when the Eagles would lose those Jim Schwartz games, they would be because, Hey, like the pass rush is great, but they can't cover for long enough at the back end to get things done. Uh, and then in the running game they you face a back like Brian Robinson, who just like, like Brian Robinson is not like a top 10 back man, but the sort of back that does well against these, these Eagles teams is just the guy who will put his nose down between the tackles, get into the second level and then just drag some bodies, right? Just, just, Three yards in a cloud of dust, four yards in a cloud of dust, just stay kind of ahead of the sticks, keep the offense out of long and late, right? Whenever the Eagles got the commanders into third and seven, they got off the field penalty. Uh, whenever they got them into third and seven, they got off the field unless they committed a penalty, right? And they committed <laughs> some knucklehead ones in this one. Uh, yes. If it was third and five, third and four shorter, they're they're really struggling to, to, to end those series for the commanders. And they're able to put together those long sustained drives. And so I, I, I saw like a lot of Desai frustration. I don't put too much of this on Desai. I think that... They should have had a better plan for Sam Howell escaping the pocket and some of the scramble stuff. Uh, but it's not like, you know, you're going to like double team Terry McLaurin. Like that doesn't really solve your problem. Like, can you get more safety help to Josh Job? Like maybe. But even then, the guy you're bringing to help is Terrell Edmonds. And like that, I don't know if that's a positive thing right now. Uh, so yeah. I, I don't necessarily think it was too much of a schematic stuff. The Eagles right now are, are, are one of the like on paper, one of the least talented back sevens that's playing right now. And and for as long as like. Uh, I think that, that that strong safety remains an issue. Maybe when Justin Evans gets back, that's a little bit better. If, if Josh Job could take a step forward, if, if linebacker can settle down, like there's ways that it, it gets like league average and it's fine. One of right. the least talented back sevens uh, or, or wait, yeah. did you say, what did you say? Back sevens or secondaries? Back back sevens. I'm including like the linebacker in the nickel okay. spot. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, because like uh, Slay, is, Slay is, a, is a plus player, right? And then I think Reed is good safety right now. Reed, Reed Banks is playing great. Other than that, like, like Bradbury and the nickel, I just don't know how to calibrate to that right now. Like I, I, we have two games of it. I don't think it's it's been bad. I also don't think it's it's his natural spot. I don't think he's necessarily playing great. Strong safety is a huge issue when it's Terrell Edmonds, when it's Justin Evans, maybe a little bit less so. And then linebacker, like both Morrow and Cunningham will make plays in the box, but outside of the box, they have no range of impact, right? Like they're, they're just not uh, impactful players, like in coverage over the middle of the field and sinking. There's that first drive that Howell put together, he had three completions of, of 10 plus yards. He had a 14 yard, 15 yard, and 16 yard completion. And all of them are because of zone spacing issues. All of them is because the back seven's back there. They haven't all played a lot together. They haven't all played under Desai a lot. It's just like messy and 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 not uh, cohesive. That's not going away next week. So there's, there's a liability there for the Eagles defensively. Yeah, I don't think I would go as far as you do. I still think the corners are, are better uh, than most teams if I just had to rank them from 1 to 32. I'm with Young Blankenship. I think he's probably an above-average safety or has played that way so far this season. But I do agree. The, li the linebackers, like even when the linebackers have a good game, and I thought Cunningham and Morrow were fine last week, I thought Cunningham strung together uh, a couple good games the previous two weeks, but you always kind of know there are going to be weeks like this one where they're, they're just huge voids uh, in these zones where, you know, to, to Sam Howell's credit, he did make some like big boy tough throws in this game, but there were also a lot of examples where it felt like guys were running free, guys were wide open, like you mentioned, whether it's uh, miscommunications, not passing stuff off. Uh, there was way too much of that in this game that we hadn't seen in previous weeks there. So uh, we'll say, what was your, what's your big, you said Jalen Hurts was your big, yeah. uh, 
big takeaway. And I, I don't, I have no idea where you're going with this. So I'm, I'm curious, like which direction Jalen Hurts um, is your, is your big takeaway here? I mean, this is like, I, I, I've seen four games of Jalen Hurts play enough so that I'm like, I'm kind of worried about this. Uh, like the, the, the Bengals gave a huge extension to Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow's playing terribly. Joe Burrow's also very clearly hurt. And so there's a way that you like talk yourself kind of around this. The Eagles gave a big extension to Jalen Hurts. Hurts is not playing well, dude. Like the Hurts right now is, is a sixth worst in the league among all, all quarterbacks and success rate. I'll read you the family of names that he's with. Uh, he's just above Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, and Bryce Young. He's just below Jordan Love, Gardner Minshew, Desmond Ritter, Derek Carr, and Daniel Jones. Like we're, we're, we're four games in such that now like, you know, we're, this, this is a good descriptor of how he's playing. It's not necessarily a good predictor, right? Because we have like all of last season or whatever. But Hurts is, 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 is not performing well when, when we go for catch-all metrics relative to the league. We watched the film. He's really uncomfortable in the pocket right now. I don't know what it is in terms of like his, the physical aspect of his game and how much he likes to run and, 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 and how he wants to take hits. Like it's very, very clear. It's obvious to everyone that Hurts is really trying to not take hits this year, right? Like, I don't know who that's from. Could be from coaching staff, could be from training staff, could be from him, whatever. But Hurts is not trying to, to, to play with contact a lot. That, has, that choice has dramatically and visibly affected how he works the pocket. He is leaving pockets a lot earlier this season than he did last season. And this has like always been a problem for him. But last season, it was like, okay, we're, we're, we're all right. We're at like a good balance. This season, like it, it's it's prohibitive. It's affecting the, his ability to get through reads. Hertz hasn't thrown. Hertz did not throw like a second read throw in this entire game, dude. Like you can see, he's one read in the pocket, and he's gone. But then it'll be one read in the pocket, and there'll be pressure, and he'll just sit there and not move. And 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 this is the time to break. Like his internal clock feels. And this is going back, like like the Bucks game, like the Alameda Zacchaeus touchdown was great, and like he just kind of stood there for three seconds, like that was cool. But even like if you watch the Bucks game and you watch that Vikings game against Flores, like. His internal clock right now, his pocket management, how he's handling pressure, it is really, really shaky. When he grips and rips it, A.J. Brown, 59-yard touchdown, right? He still is an accurate thrower. He still throws a great nine ball. Like, he still has the stuff that's good with him. And, and he had, like, a really positive run in this game late in the fourth quarter, right? Ripped off, like, a 15-plus yarder. There's still these moments. But there's, there's some link in the chain last season of where Hertz was, like, a great player in structure and RPOs and read options. and then throw the deep bomb and then he would also be good out of structure because he could break tackles in the pocket and then get outside of the pocket and go and tuck and run there's some link in that chain in terms of his willingness to take on contact and his willingness to leave the pocket when he leaves the pocket that snapped there's some something there broke because right now like if brian johnson dials up a nice little fake screen go to aj brown touchdown if what brian johnson dials up doesn't work right now hurts is like uh, not more bad than good. They're still good. There's still Zacchaeus touchdowns, but there's more bad than good. And that's worrisome over four games. Dude, that wasn't my takeaway from this game. That's why I said I didn't know which direction uh, you were going in because I could easily make the argument that this was like a, a, a good step in the right direction after a slow start for Jalen Hurts this season. And, and I do think the stuff about leaving the pocket, that is there. I do feel like I see that more live. And then when I watch the film, I'm like, okay, well, uh, I think that was understandable because of what happened here. Not to say... It never happens, but it's always less when I watch the film than I think it is watching live. And I actually thought the passing game found a rhythm in this game that I hadn't seen uh, all season thus far. I'm not saying they look exactly like they looked uh, last year or they're at that level. I think anyone watching would say that's not the case, but uh, I, I thought they found a pretty nice rhythm in the passing game. They hit on explosive plays like they hit on last year. Uh, Hertz was 25 for 37, uh, 319 and two touchdowns no turnovers. Uh, I thought it was easily his best game of the season. I mean, oh, they wow. had 10 offensive drives and they scored on seven of their 10 offensive drives and the run game was non-existent today. I mean, they had what, 23 runs uh, for 89 yards, something like that. I mean, it, there was a lot on the passing game and Jalen Hurts and hitting on explosive plays uh, downfield. I thought he made some like high level throws uh, in this game. Um, you know, he had the, the, the third and eight to Ol Olamide Zacchaeus before the touchdown to A.J. Brown in the middle of the field. I, I thought he fit that into a very tight window there. That was a great throw. I thought he, uh, there was a play action to Dallas Goddard on the left side where he just got the ball outside uh, uh, away from the outstretched arm uh, of the defender there. And then the throws downfield. I mean, those are throws you expect him to make. 
but still, you know, the, the he did make them uh, in this game. So that that's funny that watching it live, we both see it uh, differently, which is okay, which is fine. I'm curious to to hear what like a lot of the other reaction is from this game because that was like if I'm looking for a positive from this game, I'm saying okay, the passing game started to find some stuff that maybe hadn't been there previously. I uh, so in terms of like big throws down the field, like vertical AJ Brown outside of the numbers. Yes, like that was a big part of last season that they haven't had to a great degree this season, and they found it. That, I think, is overall positive. I thought this was a very good Brian Johnson game. I walked away from this being like, all right, we had some drives from Brian Johnson here where I was like, all right, this guy, like, like he's starting to get it. He's starting to feel it out. And the Eagles have been like a, 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 a decent, they've been an improving second-half offense, right? Like, you, you've seen them now, like, like, with the running game in the last two games, then in the passing game in, 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 this, in this game, find something that works in the second half and then be able to hit it pretty consistently. In this case, it was A.J. Brown against Emmanuel Forbes. Jack Del Rio was was leaving a, a first round rookie corner against AJ Brown, and you uh, you take it till the cows come home. I mean, AJ's a big fella, uh, and, and, yeah. and he likes to beat up on young corners. Like AJ <laughs> d- genuinely enjoys. He gets the taunting penalty because he enforces and then throw the football in their laps. Yeah, <laughs> which okay, listen, that Justin Jefferson scored the game winning touchdown for the Vikings, turned to the corner, did the "you're too small" thing, and and tossed the ball down and got no flag. AJ just oh, listen, I'm pro taunting. I think you should get rewards for it. Like instead I, I, of fines, they should be pay, that, paying you money for creativity. That was a soft taunting. Now it ended up being extremely <laughs> meaningful during the game. We're going to get into that. Um, so like I like I, I think that Brian Johnson has done a nice job finding stuff that works. And in this game, I think particularly it was that passing game that was working better than the running game. But it's tough for me to put too much of that on on Hertz because a lot of that was like. Like I said, one read stuff. It's like isolated curl to the outside. It's the fake screen that AJ. All right, but if the read's there and that's what he's supposed to throw when he throws it, we can't count that against Jalen Hurts that he doesn't get to a number two when he doesn't need to or isn't supposed to. Well, when he went to get to a number two, he was really, really bad in this game, which like that's not okay. something you can I mean, you can drop a stat on, but that's just off, off of watching. I, I, yeah. he, um, I cannot watch Hurts in, in this game. They score 34 points to win the game. AJ Brown is over 120 yards. Like I, I hear you like they're productive. I can't watch the way Hertz plays and say like, oh, this looks like the guy who played in 2022. It doesn't. It, like I said, there's there's some link in the chain of like how he became the dude he became in 2022 that's not working right now because he looks so uncomfortable in the pocket, so uncomfortable running the football. And that was a, a that's an enormous part of his game. Like if he's just throwing the ball, he's still an accurate quarterback throwing to AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. Like he still has a chance to put up big passing numbers, but it's just it that's not what made Hertz the guy that he is. It's not what he hurts the guy the Eagles pay for. It was both aspects of the game. And and right now with how he manages pocket, how he manages the pressure and how he runs, I, I don't I don't like what I'm seeing from Dale. I'm worried. Yeah, the running uh, scrambling thing is the part of it I probably agree with you the most. I actually had a note in my thing like Hertz does not look nearly as dynamic as he has in the past. Like when he decides to scramble and turn the corner and it's like, wait a minute, that guy caught up to him pretty easily. And, and like you said, he definitely is avoiding contact. And then he has that 23-yard scramble in the second half where, okay, it's like, okay, he is still capable. Right, I mean, yeah. just like a miracle act in the pocket, takes off, makes the guy miss, huge play. Uh, I think I don't, I don't think they ended up scoring on that drive, but it was still like, oh, you know, then I edited my note. I'm like, all right, that is still in there. So yeah, he's not as big a part uh, of the run game. He doesn't, I, I would say for the most part, look as dynamic. He's definitely not trying uh, to take hits there. I think we disagree a little bit on, you know, I, I would agree that it, de- it definitely doesn't look as comfortable as last year. I just thought that after the first two games, uh, that the last two games and specifically this game were more encouraging than shoot. It's another, it's another uh, link in the chain. You've been saying a lot of link in the chain stuff. So I don't want to say like something like that because then we're going to get people confused. They're not going to know what we're talking about and we'll see. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll metaphors, see. We'll, son. We'll, we'll, Yeah, yeah, you know I struggle with those. I always ask you to fill those in for me. All right, let's take a little break. I want to come back and talk about uh, some of the game strategy stuff, and then we'll get to more on the offense and defense. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, we are back on the Ringers Philly special. I saw you had a, a tweet about the coaching stuff, so definitely throw stuff in here uh, mm -hmm. that I miss. I think the big one that'll probably be debated is the touchdown to AJ Brown at the end, at least on the broadcast, that was the one they brought brought up, that you have a second and four on the Washington 28-yard line with 143 left. The game is tied. Should your goal there be to run out the clock and score as the clock hits zero or as close to zero as possible? Or should your goal to be score as much as you can at any cost? The Eagles obviously went uh, with the ladder there. They go with the double move to A.J. Brown on second and four. 28-yard touchdown. That puts them up 31-24, but it also gives Washington the football back with one timeout. We see what happens. They go down the field and they score there. What was your uh, initial reaction? What's your reaction now to whether they played that well or whether you would say, I would have liked them to, to see them do something differently in that situation? I don't think it's as big a deal as people are making it out to be. I do think that uh, your optimal world is run, 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 kick, field goal with one second left. But here's the thing about run, 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 kick, field goal with one second left. Eight plays, nine plays with the timeout, a lot can go wrong. A lot. Usually stuff goes right. You have a high win percentage when you're in that mode, when you're in field goal range and you're just eating the clock and setting up for that 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 final score and that final play. But there's still stuff that can happen, right? Versus... We have one play right now where we have A.J. Brown. We have him isolated on Emmanuel Forbes. It's off coverage. We think we're going to be able to hit this double move and score seven. We don't have to worry about play two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Right? We can just put seven on the board right now and then rely on our defense to stop Sam Howell and the commanders from driving, in theory, 75 yards down the field and scoring in, in a minute mm -hmm. and a half, which you didn't get the stop from the defense you wanted. And also, they didn't have to drive 75 yards because A.J. Brown taunted Emmanuel Forbes, which, again, I'm totally fine with. Um, so... Again, like, I think optimally, you're in run, run, run. This, I think it's getting overblown in terms of how it affects the, the overall win rate. I think it still it dramatically improves your win rate and you expect your defense to be able to get a stop. One thing I will say, I went back and I watched it. Uh, I can't tell precisely because Hertz walks up to the line with eight seconds left, but Hertz changes something at the line. And I can't tell if he's changing protection or if he's actually changing play call. He like half does look over to AJ Brown, but AJ Brown doesn't hmm. give a sort of a movement to confirm to like, like he like turns his head over to AJ and then he gives kind of a call to everybody. And then AJ widens his split just a little bit, but AJ doesn't like give him like a signal back and Hurst doesn't give AJ a specific signal. If I had to put a percentage on it, I would say there's a 62% chance Hertz called this play at the line. It might have been packaged, right? Where you go, okay, we're running inside zone, left, package, can, like, you know, add, attach to it. If Hertz calls us at the line, we're running this double move to AJ Brown because the safeties are three yards off the ball, right? Like, they're right there. There's no chance Forbes is getting help on this route. If AJ wins this route, which AJ has been killing Emmanuel Forbes on curls this entire game, he should win this route, we're scoring seven. So there's a good chance that Hertz at the line chooses to get into this play call so he can throw this ball to Hertz. And so I, I'd be curious to hear if we get something about that this week. Wouldn't it be surprised if, again, Brian Johnson gave Hurts the option to get that play called up, but there's also probably a run call attached here. Uh, and so to me, like in terms of play call decision, this is not 100% on the coaching staff. I think Hurts gets them into this look. Yeah, I was just trying to scroll really quickly through uh, Sirianni's transcript. It looks like it was the last 
uh, question in there. He said the main goal is to score there. They had an opportunity and it worked. You go in there and you score. You don't want a penalty there uh, with with A.J. Brown he's talking about. But um, he says you see a lot of times the team gets too conservative in that spot. Uh, they saw an opportunity and wanted to go for the the touchdown. Uh, and he's saying even if you don't score on a scenario where you're aggressive, it backs them off. For the next play, which is that's an interesting point, you know, if you don't score, you know, maybe they're thinking, all right, they're going for it, and then when it's third and four, maybe you get a different coverage, or they're playing a little bit differently, or it's in their head. So uh, he says, I'm not going to apologize for scoring too quick ever. In this case, uh, he didn't think we could. He thought Brian Johnson did a great job calling it, and the players did a great job executing it. But you know, that doesn't mean that you know what you're saying is untrue. I don't think he would come out and say. Or change the play even. Here's even the thing. If, uh, and no, that. and yeah. you win this game, you don't say it. You lose this game, you don't say it. That falls incomplete, you don't say it. Because you don't want to just yeah. tip your hand to future teams about how you call plays in this context. So you're never going to confirm it. But I would love to get a little bit of like, I love a little accountability Jalen on Tuesday where he's like, I called that play at the line. I'm Jalen Hurts, man. I don't care. I don't give a hoot. Which just yeah. for my purposes for understanding it. But yeah, I'll, I'll post the clip up on social. Uh, I, again, I'm 62%. If somebody tells me, actually, no, Jalen's just like talking about protection and this is always dialed up, I won't be shocked. Uh, altogether, 31, a uh, seven point lead with a minute uh, 40 left, you're winning that game nine out of 10 times. And in eight out of those nine times, it's never going to overtime. And in one of those nine times, it is, but you're winning the game in overtime. And that's just the one the Eagles ended up with, right? You uh, the football 53 man game, offense, defense. You got to be able to trust units to do stuff. Could the offense have set the defense up better? Yes. Should the defense have performed better on that drive? Yeah. Uh, Sam Howell, dude. Like, you got to... You've given up points, but you got to be able to get a stop there. That's where I landed. Yeah, and, and Hertz was asked about it, but shockingly, he did not go into full detail about what happened uh, uh, on that play. Uh, so I landed on... I'm good with it. I, I almost... You know, you you do extra point taking with me, and so, so you know I rip every coach who gets conservative... Uh, in those big spots down the stretch. And so I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say, no, you should have gotten conservative there. Obviously, yes. The ideal situation is you don't give the other team the ball back. Now, if they were playing Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, like you could name whatever, six, seven quarterbacks, and they did this and the guy ended up scoring, I would probably come on and be more critical and being like, you can't give Mahomes the ball back in that situation. It's Sam Howell, you know, it's Sam Howell and the commanders. Like you got to trust your defense to do something. And, and they didn't just need a field goal. They liter- literally needed a touchdown with one timeout left. Like you have to trust your defense to be able to do that. So I'm actually good with it. I like being aggressive. Go ahead, get the score. If you think you can get the score, uh, I am fine, fine with it there. Uh, let's see other coaching stuff here. Uh, you mentioned the penalties. My goodness. When you go down and list all of them, which I tried to do before we came on here, Nicholas Morrow holding on third down on the first possession extends Washington's drive. They score a touchdown. Landon Dickerson offsides on hilarious penalty call. Elite. That's a classic example of like Ron Rivera met with the refereeing staff four hours before the game. He had he had pictures. He was like, look where this guy's lining up. Don't let him do this. And then what did he do? I didn't even understand it when I saw the replay. His hand was in the neutral zone. So Dickerson is is equal with Kelsey which means he's in the neutral zone, which means he's offside. However, okay. every single commander's defensive lineman is also in the neutral zone. And we're just cool. <laughs> we're just, we're just cool with that. We're tight with that because they got to try to stop the sneak. Like that's uh, that. Uh, if I were Sirianni, I would have had so much fun with the refs on that one. Like, Oh, the neutral zone. Let's talk about the neutral zone on, on fourth and three inches. Shall we? Uh, John Allen's hand is underneath the football. Like he is, he is preventing Kelsey from snapping it cleanly. <laughs> ridiculous hilarious delightful penalty call the Eagles still got more <laughs> successful sneaks later in the game who cares yeah that so that was only one of three uh possessions they didn't score and it was due to a little little dickerson offsides there otherwise they had the tush push and they would have uh, converted there uh james bradbury had a dpi on third down darius slay had a dpi on third down which i thought was probably maybe the most bobo uh of all these calls i thought he made a great play uh on that pass breakup he got hit with the with the DPI. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, personal foul for a late hit on Sam Howell on third down, which was, man, yes. It, I, I think if that were Jalen Hurts running, Eagles fans would say, you want the penalty there. At the, like his foot just got out of bounds. So it was, it was the right call, but it was very close. It wasn't like egregious. Uh, Jalen Hurts, which uh, this is a call, I swear, I hadn't seen in 10 years, and now I've seen it twice in four weeks. I can't even remember uh, who the other 
team was, but the intentional grounding where it's clear that the quarterback and the wide receiver are not on the same page and like the ball, so the ball yeah. is not close to the wide receiver. What was the other? There was another one, right? It was That's, just last it was, week. Uh, I can't it was, remember. Uh, uh, Geno Smith to a running back checking out out of the yes, backfield. Yes, it was Geno Smith. Yeah. It was G- good man. Uh, man, you're in your almonds. Nice that's job. That's the uh, that's the uh, a fit, like I, this is not a real stat, but it's a real stat to me. That's the highest a dot attentional grounding of all time. Yeah, attentional grounding forty five mm. yards down the field. It's just, that's <laughs> the most aggressive intentional grounding I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the refereeing in this game from a curio <laughs> perspective. From like, a, oh. You had that opinion about that play. How fun. That's cute. Uh, every single DPI was absurd. These are not catchable footballs. Uh, the uncatchable rule is astonishing to me. It's that like, doesn't I mean, exist anymore, the uncatchable rule. No, no, no. That was, if, yeah, if the ball is 10 ago. yards over a guy's head, it's uncatchable. If it's within six yards of him, though, there's a chance like, you know, Jahan Dotson could have launched himself like <laughs> defying gravity superhero Iron Man into the sun and go hit ball. So, well, flag, horrendous, horrendous, terrible. Who cares? Eagles win. The intentional grounding one, like in, an, in another world, we're leading the show with that because I mean, yeah. that temporarily knocks them out of field goal range. Yeah. And then Jalen Hurts hits Devontae Smith in traffic to get Rich, them to the 54 yard. Do you want to talk point. coaching decisions? Third and 17, field goal wins the game. The team, the, your, the opposing offense is within like five, six yards of field goal range, right? It'll be a long one, but whatever. Jack Del Rio goes zero blitz off coverage. Are you insane? That, that was the game winning play. Third and 17. The, the opposing offense needs six yards to put a good field goal attempt out. And they win the game if they hit it. Win the game. It's not like, oh, and now you're behind. Win the game. The number one area of the field you should be trying to control is the zero to 10 yard area. Because if they get a, a 20 yard gain, it doesn't matter if it's a first down or a fourth down, the game's over. They're kicking the field goal. Yeah. You want to control the short area. So of course they're setting up for a field goal. They're not trying to convert third and 17. You go, when he put six guys on the line, I was like, oh, he's going to bail. Like he's going to send four and then drop guys and try to like buzz into underneath windows. He sent everybody. You think Hurts is he going a five step drop back? You think we're sitting back here letting routes develop? What? Jack the has been in the league for as long as I've been alive. If I were a Commanders fan, I would be seething at that play call. That is un, un that is the worst example of late game management in this game by a mile, right? Like the AJ Brown touchdown is like a bigger, sexier thing. Third and seventeen, cover zero off cover is is clinically insane. Jack Del Rio, like I would be calling for his job if I were a Commanders media member. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, I, someone was sending me some tweets from Washington Commanders media members, and they are not doing that. They are. Uh, patting them on the back for a job. Uh, well done. You want to talk well, also, maybe? by the way, yeah. commanders tie the game. Zero seconds left. Final play of the game. And oh, Ron Rivera kicks the extra point Come on, Riverboat. Eight and a half point dog. And I saw the explanation was they were a little fatigued. Run. You only have to play one more snap. <laughs> <laughs> Run. Run. If they're, if they're fatigued. End the game, Ron. End the game. You win or lose. You don't play another, what is overtime? 10 more minutes. That's going to make them more Holy fatigued, Moses. Ron. If they're they are a little fatigued. Oh, I'm outside of my mind. That's literally the explanation for why you go for it. Take a breather and then run one play and everybody can go get on the the bus after that, win or lose. All right. So uh, 11 penalties for 80 yards. Like you said earlier, there were a lot of penalties in a lot of big spots here uh, for the Eagles. Uh, Other, I think Eagles went for a um, kick to field goal on fourth and three in scoring range on their first possession of the third quarter, which I, I saw one of those bots, I forget which one it was, was saying that might have been a go situation, uh, but they kicked it there. I, I didn't think it was egregious at the time. Uh, anything else from a coaching standpoint stand out to you here? Uh, no, we got, we, we got all the penalties. Those are the big ones. Yeah, um, we got the end of game situation. There was, like a, there, was a, there was a weird challenge thing that, oh no, that was the Devontae Smith catch. That was not, that was not on the Eagles side of the ball. Um, no, I thought the uh, uh, I thought overall though, like I said, I thought it was a good Brian Johnson game. Certainly not a, like a good Sean Desai game, but I struggle to blame him too much for for what they're dealing with right now. Um, I'll be curious to go back and see kind of pass rush wise what happened. I think you expected a more productive day pass rush. I want to see if it's a time to throw thing. See if maybe there need to be more creativity there. In general, though, again, just in the in the um, in the punched in the mouth world of things, right? You're kind of always curious, like this Eagles team, uh, 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 Brandon Lee Gowan of of 
uh, Bleeding Green Nation tweeted it out uh, today. Jalen Hurts has won 21 of his last 22 games, which is he's only a seventh third. quarterback since 1950 to do so. This Eagles team just like tends to they're winning a lot. Joey's curious to see how they behave when they're behind uh, that that second half or the end of the first half where the defense rallies, right? Gets a three and out. Uh, they're, they're down 17 to seven. The Eagles go long drive field goal, get the ball back, long drive field goal, force a punt, good touchdown. And they just gain control back over that game. It's a nice, nice stretch to see, right? You're down multiple scores to a division opponent at home that you were a big favorite over. And you, th- this team just never reels. It, it, it sounds like dumb and like a not important thing to bring up. And if you're just watching Eagles game, you're like, of course, they don't like reel. They don't they don't spiral because you just haven't seen it. They don't do it at all. But like as somebody who watches the rest of the NFL, so many teams get in the spot and start to panic and start to freak out and they start to push and they start to make dumb plays. And the Eagles just never do that. And it makes it so they never really actually dig themselves into a hole. They're so good at just like being like, all right, this isn't going as we planned. Circle the wagons, calm down. Let's run the ball a couple of times. And all of a sudden, oh, look, back to a one score game or back in the lead. They're just they're so calm and so steady. And that's always to me the biggest feather in Nick Sirianni's cap among the fourth down decisions, analytics, everything is how steady and calm this team stays when they get punched in the mouth. I'm actually a huge fan of all the sort of here's how competitive this team has been type stats. Like when I covered the Seahawks, I mean, they had like a five year stretch where they had either had a lead or within where within one score in the fourth quarter in like every like 80 straight games or something. You're just like, oh my gosh, this team is impossible to put away. The Bills, when we were talking on an extra point taken now, 41 games uh, in the last three years they've played. And I think there's been twice that they've lost by like more than a field goal. It's just like, okay, that's a really, really good team. They're competitive all the time. And that hurt stat is worth just repeating a million times. 21 and one in your last yeah. 22. Now, like, li- if, if you, you are an Eagles fan listening to this. to lose, you would have picked a different one, but still. <laughs> Correct. Uh, well, no, that's a regular season, right? Yeah, yeah. That was last year's Washington. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah 21 and one in his last 20. Like, if you're an Eagles fan listening to this, you will... The most likely scenario is you will never see a stretch like that again from a quarterback in your lifetime. I'm talking to the 11-year-olds out there who are probably going to live to be 100. I'm talking to like anybody who's listening. I mean, that is an absurd stretch to win 21 of 22 regular season games with your quarterback. That does not happen. I mean, I would be curious to go look at, uh, you know, you who, who did you say, LaMonica? And who was the other one? Was that did you was Mahomes in that stat you just uh, read? The, the other stat? quarterbacks? Yeah. It is, oh, I just had it lost. Okay. Uh, Mahomes. That's okay. Take your time. Brady, Mahomes, Manning, okay. McMahon, Montana, and Daryl LaMonica, which I, mean, I knew. Come on. Think about I, that. I knew six of those names, and I definitely know who Daryl LaMonica <laughs> is. <laughs> so that's absurd. Yeah. With all the dissecting that we're doing, that's something to not be uh, taken for granted. Uh, I haven't asked you about, uh, how about Jake Elliott? What, what about? I mean, like he just doesn't is never missed a kick. And he never will miss a kick. What are we? <laughs> what is there? Yeah. What is there to give you the opportunity? I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, nothing. Uh, listen, what a luxury! Fifty-four yard field goal. You're just like, yeah, it's probably going in. Yeah, listen. It the Eagles are such a clear example of how nice it is to have good specialists and how terrifying it is to have bad specialists because it's nice to have good specialists when you're lining up for the fifty-four yard kick. Bad to have bad specialists in a one-score game and Brent Kern like shanks one for like thirty-five yards. You know, the uh, no, this the, new punter man was that. Oh, his man, name? excuse me, man? Brandon Man, not, yeah, not yeah, 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 yeah. I got, I got his name. No, yeah, that was not impressive. Yeah. My, I initially had a note about the punter, and then I'm like, all right, too much happened in this game. We're not talking about the punter. We'll get our you know, me, takes from you know, me. I'm talking about the punter, guys. all right, yeah. Now, so yeah, so uh, uh Elliot is such a, a luxury for this team to have, especially with how much they go for it on fourth down. A lot of the teams that are more aggressive, their kicker situations are worse just because like that guy like gets fewer reps and like they didn't prioritize him as much. Eagles just got a great one in Jake Elliott. And so when they have to go for that field goal, they end up being in a really good spot. They have a smooth operation. Kudos to them. All right. Uh, other stuff on the offense, just overall numbers um, based on six, uh, based on EPA per drive. It was their best game of the season. Like I said, scored points on seven of 10 drives, 23 first downs, 415 yards, uh, no turnovers. We talked about Hertz uh, just on, you know, EPA per pass play by far uh, his best game of the season. Not to say that, you know, tells you everything. That's a one game uh, sample there. They had the nice drive, uh, obviously, to go 57 yards for the game winning touchdown. The overtime drive was weird. 10 plays, 23 yards, didn't really do much. You know, got a nice DeAndre Swift run, got the weird intentional grounding in there. Hurts and and a, there is there's much more of Hurts is not on the same page as wide receiver this year. 
Like I, every yep. game, I can give you two examples of that happening. Where Agreed. like last year, I don't even remember it, it happening at all. Like Dallas Goddard. I mean, I don't know what's going on with him and Dallas Goddard. They can, they are not on the same page at least one to two times a game. Uh, the AJ Brown one. AJ Brown's doing one thing versus the blitz. Jalen Hurts is doing another thing. Uh, AJ Brown had that clear out route. It looked like on the left side where he thought the ball's not coming my way. I don't really need to go all out for this. And like, I don't know why he thinks that because we've seen <laughs> since he got here that Jalen Hurts sometimes will just chuck that. Uh, and he chucked it that time and it almost ended up being like a disastrous play. It ended up being uh, an incompletion there. Uh, but it certainly could have been an interception. And then he has the big completion to Devontae Smith uh, there to get them back into field goal range. Um, his completion percentage over expectation was very good in this game. Now, that's not necessarily a quarterback stat when Devontae Smith is making catches on Devontae. heads. Duh. Yeah. How about that Devante. catch? If yeah. I had a baby and I needed to throw that baby <laughs> out of a burning building and it needed oh to survive God. and I could call what one person this? in the entire world to catch that baby, I would call Devontae Smith without blinking, right? When I, I don't remember the exact circumstance under which the Nelson Aguilar guy did his say, Nelson Aguilar unlike bit. Aguilar. Yeah. Unlike Aguilar. It was a fire. Yeah, I yeah. think it was, but we are in our like Devonta era. Now we're, we've left our unlike Aguilar <laughs> era and we have now entered our like Devonta era where any heroic catch can just be described as being as Devonta would have done it. That was a big one. I mean, that, you know, that gets them a field goal before half when they're kind of sputtering there. If he doesn't make that catch, um, you know, you're down by 10. This ends up being a game that went into overtime, a very underrated uh, play in this game. Just uh, I think that Zacchaeus catch on third and eight was another one that was pretty underrated. Uh, other stuff on the offense, A.J. Brown goes nine for 175 and two touchdowns. You mentioned it, some nice scheming there, the fake screen and go with A.J. Brown on the left side there uh, for the 59-yard touchdown. Great run after the catch. Nice job uh, by Olamide Zacchaeus and Devontae Smith hustling and kind of blocking, but also making sure they're not going to get called for a penalty there. Uh, I thought that was a great job by them. And then Brown has the go-ahead touchdown there at the end of regulation. Uh, Devontae Smith goes seven for 78. We talked about him. The running game was not great. 23 carries for 89 yards by the running backs today. 3.87 yards per carry. Longest running back run went for 13 yards. Anything there stand out to you? I don't really have like a strong take about why that why that was. It just uh, wasn't working. Jurgens we'll goes down, like Sua goes in. I think that's that's a, a substantial effect, right? When you get to that kind of second half of the game. Uh, I think that Swift has previously had like multiple 15 plus yard runs per game that kind of jacked that average up and just didn't have those in this game. And otherwise it looked the same. We're like, he's bowling, bowling. He's cutting aggressively. He's making the first guy miss. He's picking up five yards, picking up six yards. He just didn't have those huge runs that like pull that yards per carry through the roof. It's going to look like this more often than it looks like that. But this is good. Like this is like, it, it, this is not like amazing. This is not like incredible. Like, it, you know, we brought up on extra point take and shield last week that the Eagles were on like a record setting pace for rushing success rate. This is more so what right. it's going to look like when you're, when you're come back down to the mortal plane, but still the Eagles have that ability to just at any time, put the ball in Swift's belly, get Jason Kelsey on a little fold block and go pick up six yards. And that's such a luxury. Yeah. They were still successful uh, to your point on 43.5% of their runs, which is actually like, a, you know, I, I can look at it uh, in a second here in terms of league-wide uh, rushing. League-wide average is 38.5% in a given game. So like league-wide, uh, this was an above average game in terms of rushing efficiency, even though they didn't have those explosives. And obviously the yards per carry is going to get dragged down when you're running a little push-ish. Where are you on this? We, we've had multiple people tweet at me, uh, and I'm sure at you as well, saying, do we want to go brotherly shove? instead of tush push. Now, I did my WIP hit with uh, Ike Reese and John Marks last week, and they ended the hit asking me, and I'm like, I don't feel that strongly about this. What do you guys say? And Ike Reese said, stick with push, uh, tush push. And I said, well, tush is a fun word to say. I'm not opposed to just sticking with tush push, but some people feel very strongly about going uh, brotherly shove. Where are you on this? Brotherly shove is a great name. Tush push is a great name. I brought up cheek sneak on the last show. I think that one's a great name. That, I, that might be the best one, Ben. Let's let's. I don't know if we're gonna change. Cheek. We should take everything into account. I like a cheek sneak. Cheek sneak is that's a fun. So, that's still fun to say. It, yeah. Cheek sneak. It's a little cute. It's everything. All of them are good. <laughs> and the most important thing is like 19 teams tried them in this week, yes. and all of them failed, and all of them suck at it. So it's it's 
yeah. brotherly shove in the sense that it's only ours. It's tush push in the sense that you're pushing on the tush. It's cheek sneak in the sense that you're sneaking yeah. and you're involving some cheeks. Like everything's good. It's cooking. All right. I might just do chai. I'm with you. I want to use yours. You know, this is this is a Philly special original cheek sneak. And you're right. Everywhere I looked this weekend, college football, NFL teams were failing with the cheek sneak. I mean, Penn State, I don't know that you need to be doing it from like the five yard line. I don't know. That's what it was uh, meant for. But, uh, you know, to, to each uh, his own there. So um, the explosives, 12 plays of 20 plus yards in the last two games. So that was like a bit of a concern. The first two games, they've gotten those going way more here. In the last two. Uh, last thing I have been on offense, third and 11 from the Washington 16, up 21-17. Run to Kenny Gainwell. Come on now. Big that's, brain. Not, that's not a place to be settling for a field goal. I mean, you settle for a field goal there. It's 24-17. It's a one possession game. Like That is a spot where it should be absolutely 100% be aggressive, worst case scenario, incomplete, and you kick the field goal then. That was probably my least favorite call uh, of the entire game. My least favorite That's call all. was a Jack Del Rio defensive call, in case that was unclear from the, yeah. the no, that was conversation. Clear. <laughs> yeah, no, there was definitely a little more like two-headed backfield with DeAndre and Kenny in this game. And just Kenny was perfectly acceptable, as Kenny always has been. And then Swift would get the ball, and you'd just be like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> That guy moves a little different. (laughs) And Gainwell had the fumble on that play I'm describing. So if he's the reliable, trustworthy guy, he fumbled there. You know, they recovered it, but uh, still. All right. Let's talk uh, defense here real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Based on EPA per drive, Benjamin, this might surprise you. This is their second worst game since the start of 2022. The only worst game statistically was the Super Bowl against the Chiefs uh, based on EPA per drive. They give up 365 yards, 26 first downs. Commanders score four touchdowns and a field goal five times on 10 drives, four plays of 20 plus yards. And again, uh, that final drive in regulation, they go 64 yards in a minute, 43 seconds. Just some notes I had on that drive. I don't know if you have anything specific there. Uh, Third and 17. Eagles had him in a third and 17. Hassan Reddick has a sack. They get a false start penalty. You're like, all right, this game is ending. And then Sam Howell hits Byron Pringle against James Bradbury for a 15-yard catch that sets up a fourth and two that they end up converting. Uh, Deami Brown has a 16-yard catch. Terry McLaurin, who, man, he just has games uh, against the Eagles, it feels like, uh, and against a lot of teams, but uh, specifically against the Eagles, got Darius Slay for a 21-yard grab. And then what were you thinking there? First and goal from the 10, five seconds left. Decide blitzes. You get the end completion. I thought the game was over. I was like, all right, it's the game. I don't know. This first shows one second on the clock. Then the ref is like, please move the clock to two seconds. I'm like, okay, there's two seconds on the clock. And then he finds Jahan Dotson for the touchdown as time expires. Beats Josh Job. I actually thought that was a great throw, kind of the ball placement there by yep. Sam Howell. Um, anything else stand out to you on that uh, final drive and regulation? No, I liked the blitz. I liked the head. They had Reed dropping down right into that window. That's the throw that they expected. They had the call ready for it. They want Samuel to catch that so that the clock runs and just right game's the over. Throw, the throw isn't somewhere where, where he can catch it. You almost like, and, but you can't play for that, right? It's it's too tight of an area. It's too close. So they they, they play for the close the close down, and that's fine. Uh, I thought the, uh, the, the one play that did stand out to me on that one was third and 17, where they pick up 15 yards to Byron Pringle, right? And Howell's back there in the pocket for a little bit. That's the one where you want the pass rush to just win it, right? Third and 17, like he's going to have to hang here for a second. This is the one where you, you want your guys to go dominate. Big game for Fletcher Cox. Uh, big game for Jalen yeah, Carter. how about that? Yeah, huge game for Fletcher Cox. It was also a big game for Jalen Carter, uh, again, in terms of stats. Uh, Carter had six pressures today. He has at least four pressures in every single uh, game of his career thus far. Uh, he leads all defensive tackles and pressures and pressure rate and in pass rush get off entering the late afternoon slate. I don't know what the Hargrave Ooh. updated numbers are. This is all from next gen stats. Uh, the Eagles had four different pass rushers generated at least six pressures. This from next gen stats. All four had a pass rush get off of 0.75 seconds or quicker. Sweat led the group with a career high nine pressures by the numbers. Dominant day for the Eagles pass rush by impact. That's interesting. Doesn't feel that way. And that's why I'm really curious yeah. to see and go back and kind of check. OK, how had a low time to throw. What was the coverage looking like? Like, what, how well was he managing the pocket? What kind of led to the fact that on paper, the Eagles had the same pass rush game that they've had the last few weeks, but coverage wise, they just were not, or I guess sack wise, production wise, they didn't really have the, the same impact. And that, that'll be an important thing because if the Eagles lose games defensively, if they give up 30 plus points, it'll probably still be games where the pass rush play as well, but they're just not finishing the reps the way they need to finish the reps. Eagles need to figure out why that's happening. 
Yeah, Hal got out of the what jail and Carter had him uh, in his grasp that one and he spun out of it. Uh, for yeah. sure. I'll, by the way, give it, I'll give Eric Bieniemy credit. I mean, early on specifically, they were cooking. I mean, they were getting the ball out of Sam Howell's hands. They were moving the pocket. They went into this game knowing that that's a mismatch up front. And what are we going to do to not let it completely wreck the game? And I thought they they certainly did some nice things there. And then they just had some nice individual efforts. I mean, like I said, McLaurin, uh, Hal had some nice ones in there. Yeah, Eagles still had five sacks, nine quarterback hits. Do you, did you realize until I'm about to tell you this, that Nicholas Morrow had three sacks? Ben? I knew he had two because they were like, <laughs> Nicholas Morrow's first sack since 2020. And like later in the game, they were like, Nicholas Morrow again. And I was like, let's go, Nick. They were using Nick uh, on blitzes quite a bit. Uh, uh, they, were, yeah. they were adding him as the last rusher. They ran a lot of like spike stuff where you you rush a guy with the intent of having him take two, with the intent of having him like pick a, pick the guard, like like pin the guard away from the, the middle of the field so that a looper can come in right behind him. Decides blitz stuff through four games, like his rush stuff, I like a lot. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a big source of why the Eagles have, uh, like again, they have five sacks. Like there's not an, an unimpactful game. Like it definitely right. was. Just felt like in, in some critical moments they weren't able to get home. Uh, and so I'd like, I like I like the way they're, they're working with that. You saw Nolan Smith get out there a little bit more in this game as well. They're increasing his snap count. I saw Reddick got his first snap, which Reddick's been playing well. He just hasn't gotten the sack lock the way that he got it last season, which like doesn't reflect anything on him as a player. It's just sacks are a tricky thing. Uh, and so like altogether, like you're so happy with the defensive line through four weeks and you're happy with how they did in this game. It's just, man, like you can have a really good defensive line performance and still get up 31. That's why that back seven really worries me the way that it does. Edmonds right now can't, like Edmonds can't play uh, in terms yeah, of like he's tough. Yeah. In terms of like getting to where he needs to be when he needs to be there, being able to impact passing lanes. He's is he's a, a non-impact player at this regard. Zach Cunningham. I love a Zach Cunningham. He's making tackles. He's physical and everything like I'm, I'm I the Zach Cunningham Bucks film was like good. Like it's like, all right, this guy's so good yeah. filling downfield. Or filling uphill. Excuse me. It's just in coverage. He's just a, such a non-impact player like there's just gaping gaping holes in the middle of the field nobody can relate to to routes and so like if slay gets broken off like there's nobody on the eagles who's like a plus coverage guy right now because like, bradbury's stuck in the slot where it's just not where he's supposed to be cast it's so it's so tough it's just not they don't have talent they don't have talent that's the, that's the nature of it right now yeah i mean they came into this game down three guys in their secondary avante maddox justin evans and uh and sydney brown there. So uh, only got their hands on four of 41 Sam Howell passes to kind of stress how much some of this was just guys were very, very wide open there. Uh, Commanders got in the red zone on three of four drives in the first half. We mentioned uh, the pass rush numbers there. Yeah. Fletcher Cox had some, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch his film because just the replays they were showing of Fletcher Cox. I was like, wow, he's killing Sam Cosby there uh, at, at right guard. So I don't know how many reps that was, but he, d- yeah. he definitely had some highlight level ones in there. Terrell Edmonds had, yeah, you, you mentioned it. he had that sequence there in the first half where he drops the interception in the red, the red zone, zone where that could save you. And then the next play, uh, I think Morrow forced the fumble, but Terry McLaurin uh, falls on it in the end zone. So that's one of those kind of friendly bounce, type, man. Friendly yeah, bounce. sequences. Yeah, that, that it could go uh, either way. All right. I think that's my, even on the, I, I even wrote down like on two of the stops that they did get, one of them, the ball just went through Jahan Dotson's hands. And on a second one, uh, there uh, late that was the overtime one. Terry McLaurin just doesn't get his second foot uh, in there, but made a nice catch. So it Ooh, wasn't baby. like I was. Well, I, yeah, they I, were making things happen. I was watching that like I don't think they're going to overturn this, but if they overturn this, I won't be surprised. Like that was that Terry McLaurin catch on Reed's yeah. arm was close, man. Yeah, and there was some. I think Jeff McLean tweeted out a photo of. Reed's arm there at the end of the game did not look, uh, Blankenship's arm did not look good, but apparently he said he would have just gone back in if they had to play defense again. Football players, on it. different, the, different uh, than us. So, all right. I think that's all I got. Did I miss anything? Do you have anything? Do you have any closing thoughts? How are you feeling? Four <laughs> games in, they're 4-0. and If you, I would have told you before the season they're going to be 4 no, you would have felt good, but you've watched every game. How are we feeling in terms of Eagles? compared to preseason expectations, compared to other NFC teams. Where are you with this team as we head into week five? I mean, they're 4-0, which is good. I, I'm i not sure I think they're better than the Cowboys in the division. Like, I, if, if, if I do, it's very close. And I'm not sure I do. Uh, I don't think they're better than the Niners right now in terms of how they're playing. Now, I'm going to feel differently about those three teams in November, right? This is not the end of the, the road here. But yeah. that's where we're at four weeks in. They get the Rams uh, this upcoming Sunday. That's the best offense they've played, right? 
the Rams are the Rams the best offense they played. They're better than the Patriots. I would say they're better than the Commanders. I would say they're better than the Bucks. Vikings. Who am I missing? Vi- Vikings. Uh, yeah, Vikings might be as good as the Rams. Yeah, I, that, that, that's what makes it close. But I think the Rams are the best offense they played. I'm really interested in this this Rams game. It feels like I don't know. Like it feels like they might end up in another thirty thirty. Feels something a little game. tricky. It feels like yeah. a tricky spot. Perhaps it feels real stinky. I would agree. With it that. does. Uh, like yeah. Rams. Rams were up twenty three nothing on the Colts, and then gave the Colts twenty three points, and then won it in overtime. Like the Rams are impossible to calibrate to right now as is. Uh, and then you have this yeah. Eagles team that's like definitely good, but also not as good as the record would say, but also still good, and also really good at like controlling game script and and managing flow and just coming out with wins. And so like, what do you know? I, I, that's going to be a weird one. It's them, and then it's Jets, which pff, Zach Wilson, who cares? And then Dolphins. And, and week seven is, again, where that schedule run starts, right? We talked about this a lot uh, in the summer. Uh, the Eagles get the Dolphins in week seven. Uh, Commanders again, then Cowboys, then Chiefs, then Bills, then Niners, then Cowboys, then Seahawks. That's the middle of December, wow. that Seahawks game, right? I mean, they, are, they, they have two games left before they start a run. And like the Commanders are the easiest team in that run, and the Eagles just went overtime with the Commanders. So uh, yeah. they got two weeks to kind of, I think, settle into some stuff here offensively and defensively, get some young players up to speed, really figure out like, OK, Nicobe Dean comes back and how that's going to look and and get set because they're going to start playing some real legit contenders uh, down the stretch. And they are far from a, a dominant team right now. And the four, that's why being four and oh is nice because you give yourself a little bit of a cushion when you go through that run. Yeah, I agree with your overall assessment that if you ask me who has played the best in the NFC right now. I would have the 49ers and the Cowboys ahead of them just on what I see and how I feel about the teams right now, even though they're undefeated and the Cowboys uh, are not undefeated. But yeah, I mean, the good thing is they've got the cushion. Like you mentioned, Rams and Jets, even if they split that, if you're going into that stretch at five and one, like that's pretty much where you want it to be uh, going into the season. If you can go into it six and oh, then you built yourself a very nice cushion there. They are five and a half point favorites, as our leader would say, a little Vegas zone there where you're not sure what to do with that line. Five and a half point favorites at the Rams next week. That I think is a late, late afternoon, four o'clock, 425 start. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Ringer. Oh, Cliff, you Cliff, you got something? Cliff's Cliff, oh, oh, no, the camera on, saying, baby. Oh, Cliff, I, I did Cliff. I did want I did want to ask you, Cliff, though, real quick. Uh, tush push, brotherly shove, yeah. or what was it, Ben? Cheek sneak. Cheek sneak. Or uh, cheek sneak. What's the uh, official terminology of the Ringers Philly spell? A lot of people are trying to get get us to go brotherly shove. Yeah. I'm feeling some loyalty to Solak with the cheek sneak, uh-huh. and then tush is a fun word to say. So that's my <laughs> official analysis. Today's actually today's my first time hearing hearing the uh, cheek sneak. So I actually do like that. But we gotta keep it Philly, man. We gotta go brotherly shove if if we gonna do it right. Ooh, brotherly shove is, is is good. I I'm so okay down with all of them. Right. They're all great. They are great. Okay. The play itself yeah. is perfect. So every exactly. name for it is perfect. And then uh, you had Jack Del Rio crying about Cliff, it this weekend. Cliff, Cliff can't show up to his yeah yeah. Cliff wasn't gonna show up to his city and say not brotherly shove. Yeah, we gotta we gotta call <laughs> it brotherly shove. So whenever uh, didn't uh didn't one of the announcers actually call it that today? Then uh, I think I think yeah, and, uh, John uh, like Johnson called it the tush push, and then the play by play guy was like, "They're calling it the brotherly shove." And Daryl did that thing where he's like, "How am I supposed to know anything about the game?" And it's like, "Well, you've known you've been calling it for a week." <laughs> he loves to do that. He loves to be like, "It's such a surprise that Josh Job is playing." It's like, is it? Like, are you? We all knew. <laughs> I, you know, I love. He's he's generally a good time. I generally like him as a color guy. But at least once or twice per game, he does a thing where he's like, "Oh man, this is what a development." <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, why?" <laughs> You yeah. saved your best take for like the last minute of the no, show. That was, God, that that's a a it's because I know that like if Daryl Johnson <laughs> is listening to the show, he's stopped listening by now. And so I can drop the Daryl Johnson take. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think just I'm going to just have to go with brotherly shove. I just like it. I like the creativity. I like how it just obviously represents Philly brotherly love, brotherly shove. It's, it's dope. I like it. I like brotherly shove. Okay. There you go. For yeah. all those who tweeted us, Cliff makes the decision. He says brotherly shove. Until further notice, we'll go with that. But um, we're, I'm going to still mix in a cheek sneak for <laughs> Benny Souls. I got to reward his creativity there. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back Monday for a little Phillies playoff. What a week. Phillies playoff preview we got on Monday. Then we got postgame pods at least Tuesday and Wednesday, maybe on Thursday. We'll have film uh, breakdown for, and then look ahead to the Rams game later. It is going to be an action-packed week on the Ringers Philly special. All right. Thanks to Solak. Thanks to Cliff Augustine for producing. I will talk to everyone in like a few hours as we preview this Philly Phillies. Let's go Marlins Phils, series. baby. Fighting Phils. Go Phils. <laughs> <laughs>
There you go. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.